Yo, what's the deal, baby? This your boy, Uncle Luke, formerly of the Two Live Crew. You are listening to Pass It Down with Mike Silver and Natalie Silver. Natalie is the most beautiful young lady in this deal right here. Mike doesn't look so good, even though they're dad and daughter. It's the big show, baby. Here we are. It's a really, really, really special week. Why is that, Dad? Because, well, you can call me Gaucho Dad, because uh, the University of California, Santa Barbara, where two of your brothers go to college. Where I probably should have gone. Well, that's a whole other podcast. But uh, they attend that great institution, and their basketball team just won the Big West regular season championship, followed it up with the Big West tournament championship, and will play Creighton in a first-round NCAA tournament game uh, Saturday, March 20th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific. And we had some other ideas for this week, but we just decided to tear them all up because we've all got gaucho fever And I'd first like to welcome my son, Greg, a UCSB senior, uh, a captain of the Black Tide Frisbee team representing the Gauchos and uh, a member of the KCSB broadcasting crew. And he's called uh, some of the more dramatic games in the last year plus for the shows. And I think he's got gaucho fever. Hello, Greg. That was quite an introduction, Mr. Michael Silver and Natalie. It is a pleasure to be back on the Pass It Down podcast. I'm so excited. You know, there's another gaucho that we want to have on here, but I think he might be taking a shit. So- wow, that's that's not subtle. Yeah, Robbie, uh, Robbie Silver is a UCSB freshman and um, hasn't been on campus that long. So I, I think he's also got gaucho fever and we're going to talk to him and then very shortly, we are also going to welcome in a very special gaucho. A surprise gaucho. Yeah, who is waiting patiently. So, um, Greg, welcome. And um, I guess just some opening thoughts on this exciting time for UCSB. Yeah, I mean, thanks again. And this has honestly just been kind of crazy. I mean, this COVID winter sucks. To say the least, I think this last quarter was one of the most challenging ones I ever had. But these last 10 days have been awesome. And following the Gauchos as they made their run through the Big West tournament was a really cool experience. And even though I knew I was going to be really happy if we got it done and got all the way to March Madness, I was still overwhelmed with how happy I really was in that final five minutes when it started looking like we were going to top Irvine. So It's one of those wins that feels really special. I mean, obviously, we've watched so much sports in the house growing up, but not every win has that kind of feel to it. So it's not one that I take granted for all. It was the first time that we won the Big West tournament since 2011, and it might not happen for another decade or even more. So it was really cool. That's great to hear. I I think it may happen, actually, uh, in – shorter than a decade but that's another topic and by the way in like your first minute on this podcast you've already said more than i have in all of our episodes (laughs) we have another gaucho it's young robbie silver hello robbie hi guys thanks for having me quick question do you have gaucho fever (sighs) 
I don't know. I haven't taken my temperature recently. I'm feeling pretty warm. Well played. All right. Well, I have gaucho fever and I would like to now um, admit uh, a friend of mine into the chat. Natalie, can you? All right. Hopefully the volume works. Can you admit if it doesn't work, we'll just have our usual tech glitch. I believe that a very important gaucho is about to join us. Not sure if he can hear us or see us, or if we can see him. But before Robbie was born, around the time when Greg was just a little infant, and Natalie was a lovely three-and-a-half-year-old, I started uh, up a friendship at while working at Sports Illustrated with one of my young uh, associates. And... We we spent a lot of time together on the road, hung out a lot with your mom and uh, various other humans. And he was uh, he was super, super promising as a sports journalist and a writer. But he ended up uh, being poached by first ESPN, then ABC's Good Morning America, NBC Sports and various other television conquest. So uh, we're waiting for him to enter the chat. I'm going to text him right now. Oh, wait, I'm in. Oh, I think he's in. I can do that, so. Oh, nice, can you? Oh, there he is! Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Elliott! (laughs) Let's all give Josh a round of applause here on the Pass It Down podcast. (laughs) Josh, I have one question for you. And I think it, I speak for Natalie, Greg, and Robbie. Do you have gaucho fever right now? Oh, I mean, you know, I've had gaucho fever for decades. It's just <laughs> spiking right now. It's like, uh, you know, the, the fever's at 105. Like, internal <laughs> organs are about ready to just spontaneously combust. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a once a decade, it's a once a decade disease. <laughs> but you, 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 you revel in it when it arrives. Well, um, you know, guys, Josh gave the commencement speech at the 2014 UCSB graduation. So he's kind of a big deal. But, um, you know, I heard about Josh's college conquests a little, you know, <laughs> from his various uh, college buddies and from Josh himself. Um, Josh, could you why don't you just quickly tell us your UCSB origin story and, and how you came became a gaucho and and what you took from that experience all right so i grew up in los angeles um as did the senior member of this uh podcast group um i went to a uh a high school that i'm sure actually mike you had i'm 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 guessing you knew guys that went to loyola when you were pally right so uh i went to loyola high school a jesuit all boys oldest high school in california Um, in downtown LA played water polo there and wanted to play in, in college. So took, you know, it, it's, it remains pretty much a California sport. So took my recruiting trips senior year. Um, but always had dreamed of going to Berkeley and, uh, you know, they're a top three program in the sport. And so I'll never forget, took a recruiting trip up there. My Grandparents lived in Arinda forever, so I knew the East Bay really well. But it was one of those, like, awful days 
that Berkeley can have where it's just raining and the, and the campus seems gigantic and it's all hills and you're like, all right, um, <laughs> went to practice and you're watching like, you know, all Americans ride the pine while other all Americans play. And so I'm like, all right, maybe I'll play like, you know, senior year. Okay. Um, and so, you know, applied to Berkeley. I applied to UCLA basically for my mom, just so she could hold out hope I'd stay in LA. Um, but then I also applied to UC Santa Barbara. And the thing is, this is all faded. I took my recruiting trip to UC Santa Barbara in October of my senior year, um, like mid-October. Um, and the day I was up there, I was hosted by a guy who'd gone to Loyola who was playing there as a freshman and some of his buddies. And uh, the World Series was starting that day. And so the Dodgers were in it. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, let's definitely, like, tuck in a bunch of Dodgers fans um, at what I thought was going to be my safety school. And um, the Dodgers fielded at that point probably the worst lineup in World Series history. The great Dave Anderson at third base, Mickey Hatcher patrolling left field and on and on. (laughs) Wow. Um, And late in that game, a hobbled Kirk Gibson strode to the plate and literally provided me the greatest sporting moment of my life. Like the, the moment I'll never forget. So it's fair to say that that sprinkled all this little magic dust on Santa Barbara. So Still, I apply to those three schools, and I don't know what it's like now, but literally, you just fill out that little UC application, and you check the boxes of the schools you want to apply to. And so, um, got into UCLA. I was like, sorry, Mom, I'm not going. Got into Santa Barbara. I'm like, all right, safety school. I'm Okay, I'll, I'll, I can go somewhere. But I was waiting on Cal. And the, 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 the period came and, came and went. And so um, I ended up finding like three weeks after like the, the acceptance time had ended, this wet, moldy Cal acceptance package that had fallen from my mailbox. Into, like, <laughs> and so that also was like, I just felt like maybe the, maybe the, the karma and, and, and could happen to you. It's all, that's all, it's all telling me something. And so I'll never forget. I was sitting at my dining room table one night and you have to check the box and send it back the one you're going to. And I checked Santa Barbara and I sent it off and I didn't tell my mom. Um, and I listened to my mom for like three weeks, tell her friends on the phone, like, Oh, he's going to Cal. It's going to be great. He got in. We, she told the whole story. He found it in the bush. It was so amazing. Um, but I just wanted to go to Santa Barbara. It was, I mean, for, for, for those of you watching, which is probably the silver family and the Elliott family right now, (laughs) log on to ucsb.edu. Um, and just look at literally any picture that stares me, you know, I, what I never understood is why we don't, why Santa Barbara didn't have like the best team in the country at every sport they play because who wouldn't want to go there? Um, so yeah, so I'll, uh, you know, I, I, I sanitize that story somewhat, but it's fair to say that, um, 
that's how I arrived in Santa Barbara. And thank God I did. It was, it changed my life. And I was going to ask you if anything else was being sprinkled on anything, but you know, <laughs> I, have to, sophomore year on DP I have to, those, che- I have to check the, I can tell you those stories if I can remember them all. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is funny. So our mutual friend, Mike Fleiss, Josh once said to me, uh, I, I think I told him Greg was going there. And by the way, the days of it being a safety school, sadly, oh, are long gone. Oh, right. The average average freshman incoming GPA is like four two or something. It's like stupid. So uh, Greg told I told Mike Fleiss, hey, Greg's going to Santa Barbara. And he just goes, God, that is so great. And he goes, that's where we should have gone. Right. And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> of course it is. Like, it, it, you know, as much as we love Cal. Um, and so, yeah, I've gotten to kind of get a taste of it. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, have you, you see it, right? You see like so Del Playa, right? That's the that's the oceanfront street. And and I don't I, I don't know if it's still like this, but it, I'm sure it is. Like you start in the dorms. I started at Francisco Torres's private dorm off campus. And then you basically like work your way towards DP year after year. So maybe you get to like Trigo your sophomore year. And then like your junior year, you might get to like Sabado Tarde, which is like one off a of DP. And then like you definitely, but you try, you, you have that hook for senior year and I'll never forget it. Senior year, um, late in the year in a hammock, looking out at the water, you know, that's the part of like the channel islands or, are in the distance and when the when the ocean's like calm it almost looks like a gigantic river and there's a pod of dolphins working past and i can definitively recall thinking this is the best my life's ever gonna get because <laughs> I, might, I might go on i might one day i might be able to afford to i could buy this block but then i'll have like mortgage payments and like bills <laughs> and like kids and like it won't be this good like this was i needed to make like my $300 a month rent and that was it enough for a burrito at freebirds and that was it like that was it greg greg tell josh what it was like uh one night when greg was actually living on dp and he actually did it he, he did it a little different he went dorms i think dp and back right greg yeah, that's strong I'll let you sophomore year, Greg, the fact that you're still with us, is really <laughs> but one night Greg and I went out to dinner like on a Thursday. And then I was just, I, I was just leaving to go back to LA or, or maybe drop him off and go back to my hotel. And I parked really at the end, you know, down by the beach, the far North end, and then walked him back and walking down DP. It was like a giraffe was walking with Greg down that street. I mean, Greg, how I I was a little shook. Yeah, it was really weird. We actually forgot something in the car. So we turned around after going down about half the block. That was already a really weird experience. And like, I felt kind of uncomfortable, but I also thought it was funny. And I couldn't imagine how you were feeling. So then when we went back to the car, we just decided to go up to Sabado and walk that way because it was a lot less weird. It's a lot less weird. It is. It's like, it's not, it's hard to explain, right? There's nothing, there's nothing like it. I I don't know. You know, you hear stats. I remember when I was there, I think at that point, it might've been like the, the most heavily populated square mile 
like west of the Mississippi. So basically you have like 20,000 UC gauchos like crawling all over each other, but living in what is essentially perfection. It is a perfect climate. You can, I had buddies of mine our senior year who took an oceanography class. And when the tides were right, they could throw on their wetsuits sit on their lawn boards, they could tuck their notes in a plastic bag into their wetsuit and they could just drift down to campus point where the, where their class would meet like on the beach. And that's a thing. That's not like, I didn't make that up for a movie. That's not like a dream I just had. Like that's a thing that happens there. And so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, and we were unencumbered by like athletics. We didn't have like, football games to go to every Saturday. So frankly, you could go hard Friday night, wake up Saturday morning. All you had to do was get to your couch and you could watch like amazing football all day on your couch. I mean, it was, but we had our basketball team. And when I was there in the early nineties, like we had a team. Was that Brian Shaw? Brian Shaw era? No, it was after Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw, the the grand granddaddy of them all, but he begat um, the 1990, I was like, you know, I did some research for this just in case you guys hit me with like, you know, facts. Um, but I also just wanted to marinate in it. Like I'll never forget it. Freshman year, um, character heart, our steady point guard, Eric MacArthur, who was six, five, but he had a wingspan that was like seven, three, uh, led, I believe he was second in the country in rebounding that year wow. for obvious reasons. And, a bunch of great role players and our freshman year that year um, we were the last team to beat the UNLV team that went on to beat Duke by 30 in the final. Yes. Uh, Stacey Ogman, Larry, Larry Johnson, Johnson. Uh, Anderson Hunt, Greg Anthony, Moses Scurry were coming for Jarvis Bass night. We're going to, we're, we're going to, you know, they were. Well, maybe were the great, maybe the greatest college team I've ever seen. In I mean, it game. was, it remains the greatest college yeah. team I've ever seen. It was yeah. the greatest college team, a lot of money to buy. And they, uh, we beat them by eight uh, at our place at, in the Thunderdome. And that was the last time they lost that year. Uh, but that's also the year we made the tournament. And like, it was not back then we made the tournament. We were in nine seats. And we won. It remains the only NCAA tournament game we've ever won. We won the first round, seventy to sixty-six. We beat Houston. Um, Eric MacArthur, all six foot five center. He played center. He went for 20, 11, 5, and four. Whoa. Uh, it was unbelievable. And then we almost beat uh, the Steve Smith-led Michigan State Sparty Spartans um, in the second round. We fell by four. Um, I mean, that was, that was, that was a tournament for the ages. That that was the LMU magic run. I mean, that was, that was a great tournament and that was it. That was, we made it back two years later, but we've never gotten out of the first round. Well, that's a great setup because uh, we're, we're all so pumped about this game against Creighton and we'll get into that because it's not an exaggeration. Like this guy is fully, well, I'm just trying to be a good guy. And so I just want to say, first of all, like not, I honestly, like the last time I saw you in person, Wait, did I did I lose you guys? No, we're here. Oh, what what did I just do? Can you see me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, you <laughs> click, click the thing in the top right corner. The top right corner. <laughs> um, if you hover over it. 
don't it, know. It suddenly came up like scheduling made easy. Whoa. Hit escape. Oh, there you are. Never mind. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Crisis averted. Um, okay. So, so, well, I, I would say no, that. Yeah, I just, I do just want to say this, Matt, like you were the cutest kid and you have no memory of me in person, but like my, it was always whenever we had your dad and I would try to get a couple games together a year. And it was always, it was so, he was such a great young dad to young kids. And then came the boys that were mostly just pictures and photos because your dad left SI, I left SI and off we yeah. went. But um, yeah. And how is the, uh, how is my favorite silver? Is she, is she otherwise indisposed? No. Yeah. She's, she's treating uh, patients right now. And uh, otherwise we would. She's making we'd... sure that you, she's making sure that you get into heaven. Yeah. <laughs> That's my only chance. Josh, for sure. I, Josh, I actually do remember you because I remember I think the first time I ever had sushi. Yes. 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 Je- Jeff Chania. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who I was on TV with today. And yeah, yeah, at Kerala in Berkeley. The first place yes. to go. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Josh. Yeah, I mean, Josh and I were known to get a little excessive on the sushi orders. We, we didn't think small. You guys, I know your dad a ton. And I'm sure he'll be the first to, to, to tell you. But like, I have <laughs> Like I got to SI and I was like a California kid, like in a button down Princeton world. And, you know, there were certain aspects of it that didn't make any sense, but like as a sports writer, it was where you wanted to get. And so I got there and then, you know, there was this like dude who hung with Dennis Rodman and had like maybe written that book and like, I, I was a fact checker with your dad at first. And the yeah, first I gotta, I gotta tell, I gotta tell the story the first time we met. So um, the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans were playing in the 1999 AFC championship game. And the Titans had beaten the Jags twice in the regular season and the Jags had been gone 14 and two. Yes. So now they were 15 and two only having lost to the Titans twice coached by Jeff Fisher with Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator and Sports Illustrated sent Josh as a reporter. Well, I was already down in Jacksonville and I was over at Jimmy Smith's house, their star wide receiver, spending the day with Jimmy Smith. But I'd been pushing it really hard in the playoffs and I had this horrible like uh, mouth thing where I was doing this mouth numbing spray every 10 seconds or every 10 minutes to like stay afloat. And like I had, I had like bitten down on my tongue on a flight and it got fermented. It was just a disaster. And I, and I was super tired and super sick. So Josh rolls in for the first night and they're staying at being Jacksonville, like practically in Georgia, like at, you know, whatever Smyrna, like, yeah, what, yeah. It was Amelia Island. Yeah. yeah. So, so they're, they're like 400 miles away and Josh is at the hotel and I'm like, he calls me, you know, you couldn't text and he gets me on my cell phone. And he goes, Hey man, I'm Josh Elliott. I'm in town. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just meet you back at the hotel. He's no, 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 no. Why don't we just have dinner in Jacksonville? I'll drive down. I'll meet you. So I go, okay, but I'm going to be with Jimmy Smith. So I finished with Jimmy Smith and I meet him at this restaurant and we had sushi and they come and take our drink orders. And Josh is like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll have whatever vodka tonic. Yeah. Right. Was that even, were you on the vodka soda yet? Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, I, and, and, uh, and I go, yeah, I'll just have water. And he looks at me incredulously and I go, dude, I got this throat thing and I got to get up, you know, and I had like 40 excuses and he just goes, never met him, but he just goes, 
you mean to tell me that I drove all the way down here and the legendary Mike Silver, <laughs> who can rage with Dennis Rodman and anyone else, is going to fucking puss out? And, and I was like, I looked at him like, what? And I was like, shots and, you know, cut to 3 a.m. You know, we're like staggering through the lobby. And then we spent 13 consecutive days. Because that was, that, was that was the week, that was the year that they experimented. No like, they got rid of the, of the week yeah. off in between. We went straight so to New Orleans. We just kept going. <laughs> yeah. So, we, uh, yeah. so anyway, and, and the rest is history. So, so Greg, um, Josh, started... Uh, doing stuff at KCSB, which I love, which I love. So he started doing that last spring and was just, you know, kind of getting his feet wet. And all of a sudden he ends up courtside the regular season finale last March. They're playing rival Cal Poly at a sold out Thunderdome and they're losing the whole game. Greg, could you take us through that experience? Yeah, for sure. So March 7th, 2020, Basically, like the last memory of mass gatherings that we have, which is still crazy that it's been a year. But uh, so the sports director, Max, who's like great broadcaster, only reason I was able to be on the mainstream and sit courtside as opposed to way up in the bleachers was because he got a deal doing Big West TV play by play. So the radio was kind of up for grabs and a lot of people were pretty new. So it was me and two other guys who got to do the mainstream and sit courtside, which was really cool. But we only had two on at once, so you got to rotate. And so, of course, I wanted the start and the end, and the other yes. people were going to be passive. So I was like, yeah, I'll take the middle shift off. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's actually the middle of the game, and we had just lost our top scorer, Max Heidegger, to an injury a little bit before. So our offense was still kind of struggling, and Cal Poly is also shooting lights out. And they were 0-14 on the road coming to that game. And it was just a really weird and stressful first half. And during the shift that I was off, it was late first half. And the guy who was supposed to be like our next scorer, Ja'Cory McLaughlin, I turned to some guy I knew from high school who was doing stuff for the Daily Nexus newspaper. And I was like, hey, where's Ja'Cory McLaughlin been in this game? And then like 30 seconds later, next possession, he gets an open look, top of the key, drains it he's on the board and I was like all right there we go and then second half rolls around we were still down 13 with about 11 minutes to go crawl all the way back we get all the way back then I have to rock paper scissors another guy for who gets play by play for the final third of the game uh what'd you go what'd you go with yeah what'd you go with it was two out of three because that's the only (laughs) fair way to do it of course and I know I went rock and he went scissors on one of them. I think I got him on paper and he went rock on another. Every, that's, <laughs> you all, always finish with paper. You will always finish. With paper. I knew yeah. Josh would have a philosophy on this. Of course, of course I do. Of course. I think if Josh and I went rock, paper, scissors a hundred times, I would win two. <laughs> and, you know, I'll give you two. I'll give you two. <laughs> I take a dive for the last one. So, so Greg. So, so you so out, you're doing play by play. Yeah, and that turned out to be the most important rock paper scissors game of my life. And I needed about 20 things to align all just to be in the opportunity to call that play by play including our star doing Big West TV so the radio was open. And I won that rock paper scissors game and we crawl all the way back and we tie the game late but we're also missing free throws and it's all these little things and then 
we turn it over when the game's tied with about 20-something seconds left. We foul them on the break. It's tied. They're going to go shoot a one-on-one. I'm like, okay, well, maybe we can force an OT. Free throw fell short and missed on the one-on-one. We got to hold it for one final shot. And I knew it was really dramatic. And we had a crowd of like 3,000. And granted, UCSB is not super big with sports. I mean, outside of some of the soccer games and, of course, the Cal Poly soccer games, we don't have massive crowds. But people were here for this one. And – uh, Jacory takes the ball and he's kind of out in no man's land. And I said on the call, I said 11 seconds to go and he takes a screen and he like drives in, kind of loses the ball for a second at the free throw line, turns around and fires up a mid range shot and it hits the front of the rim backboard. And in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, probably about two seconds left. So if this drops, it's going to be big, but I didn't know it was going to be zero. So as the ball's falling in the net, I see the red light on the backboard so, obviously, I scream, uh, get the buzzer beater call. It was really cool. And then from that moment on, Jacory's just been a stone-cold killer. I mean, you know, it's funny. First of all, Max Heidegger, I remember, you know, I watch – and whenever they're on, I'll jump on, you watch. Max Heidegger, I think he was in college for – I think his freshman – I think I was a freshman with him. So <laughs> definitely had a long career. A long <laughs> but – um. You know, and every year, uh, you know, um, all we all in beginning of the season, all of my boys and all the group texts, like, are we good this year? Like, what's you know, who's back? Are we going to be good this year? Joe Pasternak, like, he was Bobby Knight's student manager, and he's our coach now. Like, really, that's who we're. I mean, really. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, like this year sort of happened, and. It's funny. I mean, Cal Poly, like there is a, it's hard. This is what's hard for me. It's hard that like, I need to be fired up because we beat Cal Poly at the buzzer. I mean, Cal Poly could very, very possibly be the worst college basketball team in America. This year. <laughs> I mean, like by, like almost by far. Um, Ro- but, Robbie, you know, the- Robbie, do you hate Cal Poly yet? Is, is that happened yet? You're only a freshman. Do you hate him yet? No, I, mean, I have friends who go there and haven't been in the like. Is, is, so let me. So you guys is like for Robbie Greg. Is this like a thing that they're trying to make happen now? Like Cal Poly is our is really the rifle now? Because when I was your age, it was Stacey Ogman and Larry Johnson at UNLV, <laughs> and like now it's like oh. I think wow. it's a soccer thing, right? Like, did, did they throw tortillas in the stands when you went to soccer games, Josh? Uh, they, they threw tortillas in the stands when I went to basketball games. Wow. That, thing, that, started, when, that started when I was there. Were and, they, like, they, they, they corner they like, flowers. please don't do it. Please don't do it. It's going to be a technical foul. And we're like, I guess we're going to be down to nothing. There we go. <laughs> okay, actually, I don't want to make this like a two-hour podcast, but I do want a quick interlude of when I decided I hated Cal Poly. Yeah, <laughs> that was freshman year. I went up to slow for the soccer game and we had tied them zero zero in Santa Barbara. It was kind of like pretty boring game and nobody really left happy on either side. So we go to slow because my then girlfriend and my best friend from high school uh, go to Cal Poly. So I was hanging out with them. We go to the soccer game. It's all good. I got tickets. Uh, we show up. UCSB scores early. We're up one nothing. They're booing. I'm like, this is kind of cool. Cal Poly, I think we're going to go into the half up 1-0. Cal Poly ties it. 
And then all of a sudden, in a five-minute span, early second half, it gets to 3-1. And then not long after that, it's 4-1 and we're losing. And I'm like, okay, like, the fans weren't being assholes to me, so I'll give credit to them for that. But I was just so bitter about the whole thing that I was like, we fucking suck and I hate them. I'm just going to hate them forever now. Well, and then cocky Greg comes and visits me at Cal later. We go to a soccer game. He takes like, he goes and steals a bunch of tortillas from my co-op, maybe puts a couple quarters in the karma box and just like humiliates me. You guys, what was the score of that game, Greg? They beat uh, thanks for asking. You were winning two nothing. Uh, we tied it and won in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> so so Greg after that Jacory buzzer beater gets invited to call the Big West tournament in Anaheim and actually drives down and Greg you stayed the night right yeah we got in at like midnight and stayed the night and as we were driving the NBA announced they were shutting down because it was the day Gobert tested positive yeah, yeah. and that so they it. so that, they never played and yeah. and and then Robbie, you had to decide on where you were going to college by. Is it May first? May first, yeah. So you know, was it hard to make? You didn't get to do college visits. You'd obviously been to see Greg, but you didn't get to do all the usual, you know, stuff. What what went into your thought process in terms of Santa Barbara and and you know how did that play out? I mean, I had never really even visited Santa Barbara for real. I remember we went down in February, but Greg was just kind of staying with the family mostly. And then we just happened to be walking around IV for a couple hours, I think on Sunday afternoon, just because I'm like, oh, if I end up getting in here, I'll have a chance to visit later. So it's not a huge deal. But it's a good thing that I did get to have that walk for a couple hours and kind of just check out the scene and see, and see humans, see humans. Exactly. <laughs> How, uh, there's a dye table at every house. Uh, <laughs> beer dye, Josh. That's, cool. that's what the kids play. Now they play beer dye. Of course. Yeah, did you not play beer dye in college? No, we play quarters and various other terrible drinking games. Mexicali, uh also that's a whole other thing but beer dye is awesome it's a it's a whole thing like i went to visit greg in his backyard and they had a list of rules and that you know one of the great things in beer dye is to sink your dye and apparently robbie before he even started college had developed an aptitude so did i the self-sink but i wasn't allowed to run a nudie because Nobody wants, to see, nobody wants to see their sister run around the block naked, apparently. Yeah, I'm a, like, I, this is this, this, this conversation. I mean, I'm the only one who hasn't swore. I literally wasn't swearing on this podcast because I'm like, well, Mike's got his kids. And of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, you know, we used to not swear in front of them, Leslie. And you know how football is. Leslie would always, you know, be mad. And then one day it's like the third kid, you know, Natalie, we were like, oh, her precious ears. And then well, we don't want to swear in front of Greg. And then, well, we got to pick a movie. And Leslie goes, God, I remember Ferris Bueller. That would be good for the kids. And it was like, shit, 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 shit. And then the floodgates just opened. And so Robbie, Robbie got to see like, so when, when Natalie was turning, uh, what, 15, 16, she wanted to see a movie for her birthday. And 
some movie was out that was rated R that mom thought would maybe be objectionable. But Ted had just come out. What's also rated R, but mom's like, well, you know, it's a teddy bear. How bad could it be? You you know, it's bad, Josh. It was like a we're in a college town. It was maybe like an eight o'clock showing. You know, it's bad when you spill out into the lobby with your nine year old and college kids are pointing at him and laughing. <laughs> it was a proud, par- proud parenting moment. I will say this: is, it's it's also fascinating to see what's happened, right? Because guys, first, like you know, when Santa Barbara was—I mean, I was on pins and needles through the Big West tournament this past week—and I get like a late night text from from your dad, and he's like, "Oh, how about those gauchos?" And I mean, <laughs> guys, and I mean, you know, when I met him, he was—I mean, he remains to this day like the most obnoxious cow apologist of all. And this this uh, poor child had to go there too. Exactly. And you <laughs> roped her in. I mean, you, she got infected and I just really? love, I love that the silver men were just like, no, they just, no, sorry. <laughs> I, no way. Like, I, and, and I will say too, like we, to your point earlier, Mike, we now like out Nobel laureate you because, and I love that. And, oh, yeah, we, you know, in, in residence, of course we did. We have more Nobel laureates in residence. I than, want to fact check on this. Okay, I'm calling bullshit. Call it's true. And you know what? There's <laughs> the smartest people in the world for them. That's an easy decision. I, I would I would say this. Um, so, Greg, you've been down there for most you, you came home last spring, you know, for some virtual learning. But since June, have been back down there in IV. Robbie, unfortunately, had to start college in. But in January, they opened up some of the off campus apartments for freshmen. And he's been down there since January. Um, and it's obviously not like college normally would be everything's virtual nothing's open you know it kills me but i guess greg and robbie what's what's it been like this last you know these last few months and has basketball been like a ray of light in this you know pandemic reality i mean yeah it's been super weird like i think that for a place where youth degeneracy and insanity reigns supreme for like 160 hours of the week. And maybe like you get the occasional, Oh, it's eight 30 AM on a Sunday. It's oddly quiet. Uh, but it's kind of nuts all around. And I mean, I think everyone has a very love hate relationship with IV, but it's mostly love. I think every once in a while, you just got to get out of the square mile, but it's, uh, so it's really weird. The sauce quarter sucked. Social life was really limited. And when you do socialize, you got to do it in a way that feels safe and respecting other people's boundaries. So I was really thankful for the basketball at the end, but I don't know, Robbie, you have anything to add? I mean, it's hard for me because I have no conception of what college should be like. And obviously the last year I've pretty much been locked down in my house. So any form of social life at all seems like, pretty happening to me but I'll even ask <laughs> sometimes I'm like it's Friday night in IV and there's like a few people out hanging out and I'm like would it be more popping in normal times and he's like yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> like listen like honestly like, I had that moment and like Robbie you're like the 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 personification of it I was my daughter is now 
12. And so I was like, wow. talking to her dad's. Yeah. 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 And she is, uh, she's in seventh grade. And I was talking to like one of her friend's dads. They have a, they have a senior and I'm like, so what, you know, how has this been, what's this been like for her? And he told this like terrifying story because, and he made a great, I hadn't thought about it for people like, like Robbie, especially, you know, I'm not saying that like I ever want my high school kid to ever experiment with anything, but I'm also realistic about life. And so at least if you have a good relationship with your kid and like communication exists and you kind of know that they're a good kid, you know, maybe they're going to try a little of this. Maybe they'll try a little of that in high school and they'll at least get a sense of what it's like to perhaps be in an altered state and like how it can be dangerous and they can, you know, you can learn, right. You can learn, you can can self learn As, as we learned. Right. And, and for people of specifically Robbie's year, like they didn't get a senior year where they were going to parties. Well, he lost, he lost lacrosse season, senior day, prom graduation, college visits, and then the whole freshman, you know, normal dorm insanity. Um, yeah. For his year and actually the seniors. And this year, this yeah. Year, like, they haven't, they haven't gone to a party at some kid's house where they shouldn't be there. And, and, and if you, you know, have, Robbie, just don't reveal it now. But, do you, but, but, like, or, but the point being that, like, I don't think, I don't want my kid taking their first illegal sip of a, of a beverage as an underage drinker, like at UCSB. I don't, want to, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want them to be at Siobhan's or Sam's and like, you know, like, you know, knocking back their first beers. Like that's not where I want them to figure Greg, it out. Have you seen, have you Greg or Robbie, have you seen anyone who looks like they're taking their first drink while at UCSB? I'm sure they stand out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my house in, Two months, so... Okay, fair point. Um, Okay, Josh, I have a question for you. You are a... You're the coach of a legitimate college basketball team that's doing really, really well. But yeah, your, te- okay. your team just had a rough game. <laughs> and you want to give a speech afterwards to the players, and what you want to convey to them is, you know, guys, we really need to stick together. This is not the time for anyone to deviate from the mission. We all have to you know, stick it out as a team. How would you feel about using these words as your message? Um, guys, we all need to stay on the plantation. Uh, Nobody can leave the plantation. Uh, I mean, you know, you think that you don't need to say it, right? You think you don't need to say, don't make jokes about the Holocaust. Right. There are no funny jokes about 9-11. Right. There are there is no time where if you have this much melanin in your skin, you can say certain words. Like there are just things there we those are those are third rails, right? Those like those are the things you don't touch. You can't go there. And you know, after the year we've just had, after um, you know, the the George Floyd protests and the reckoning and the racial reckoning. And by all accounts, Greg McDermott is a, was a good dude. He's a, he's back on the sidelines. And I think he's only back on the sidelines because his players went to bat for him. And so 
Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hang Greg McDermott out to dry as some inveterate racist. He's certainly though guilty of a generational ignorance that is all too common. You know, like a buddy of mine who ended up writing a couple, doing a few like freelance skits for SNL. He got the job because he did this. He did this take on uh, kids say the darndest things with Bill Cosby, but he he did this thing instead of kids say the darndest things. It was grandparents say the most racist things, <laughs> you know. And it's like I I I I listen. You know, all of that being said, I don't know how you look young men of color in the face and somehow because to your point, Mike, right? It's not that he screamed that in a moment, like when Ja'Cory McLaughlin beat Cal Poly and the light was red as the ball fell through the net, which is great. What a great visual, right? Great, great work, Greg. I, I'm going to go back and find your call. But he sat there and thought about it. Like, how am I going to get my young black players back? How am I going to keep them connected? And you go to slavery, <laughs> um, which where they were literally connected, whether they wanted to be or not. Like, I, I don't like, you know, that, by the way, that's the, that's about as funny as you can be with slavery. Like that's about the, that's the level, you know, I, I hate, I hate that it happened. I hated it for him. His son's a great NBA player. I hate that his son had to sit in the NBA locker room that night and probably face questions about it. Um, He's not Myers Leonard. I'll say that, right? Wow. We don't have to go there either. Greg, but. what was the what was the line you were just telling me that you saw on TikTok? Oh, I just saw a video because his wife is active on TikTok, and she's like shooting hoops in their court uh, outside of their house in Miami. And someone just I took the comments and the just goes POV. You're here after the racial slur. And what was the other? What was the other thing? The person not going to have the house for much longer. Oh no! Wow. What, no, what was the the thing about person you'd least what, NBA player you'd least want to? Oh yeah, and then people just started going like uh, ranking from last to first NBA players I would invite to my bar mitzvah. Uh, coming in dead last, we have Myers Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and on and look, and you know, but here's the, Myers Leonard is an interesting case too because if you recall. Last year in the bubble, he stood for the national anthem. He was the only player who stood for the national anthem. And I remember there was like a big, you know, there was a, there were a lot, all the think pieces. And Mike, you know, like day one, what's the day two story? What's the day three story? And it was like, we all got out of our way because, oh, you're right, group think. And like Myers Leonard spoke to his teammates and he explained that he, you know, to him it's important to stand, but he respects their points of view. And it's all great. And like, you end up thinking like, you know, it's, he's kind of a turd for standing during the national anthem right now. Like, really? Like, you really have to stand? You really need to let people know? But he kind of forgave it because Jimmy Butler forgave it. So, okay. And then he drops that line. And you're like, oh, wait, I why did I ever like Myers Leonard? And I, I so I think, you know, on the grand spectrum of awful racist things, I would say Greg McDermott's decision was maybe at the lesser end it's sort of like being the valedictorian of summer school it's not like nothing to be proud of rusty but um i you know i hate to say as a purely self-interested person 
Is it the worst thing to happen to the team that your scrappy 12 seed gauchos are happen to be facing? Yeah, no. But is, yeah, is uh, it wrong that I'll picture him as Steve Bannon on the sidelines no, on during Saturday? It's, not, it's like I don't, I, 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 you know, I hate using words like unforgivable. I don't think it's unforgivable. I, I, if if his, if his, uh, if his young black players have forgiven him, they know him a lot better than I do. Um, who am I to say anything more? Like. He, it makes it a lot easier to root against Creighton. It's not just that, like, the Blue Jays and it's the blue that kind of burns your eyes while you're watching the screen. It's, like, really hard. And on CBS, it's going to, like, really burn through. Well, CBS, they'll, be the light, they'll be the light jerseys. Um, it, it will um, – and look, Creighton's the high, one of the highest variance teams in the country. Like, they could, if they hit their threes, we're done. But if they don't – they could lose by 30. We could win by, th- I mean, who, who knows? It's funny being robbed. Cause I was robbed. Like the last time, the last that I was a freshman when we won an NCAA championship and, and like to win a game in the tourney back then, again, I, I just, like, I remember thinking like, Oh yeah, this happens every year. This is going to happen every year. This is the start of something great. The big West, UNLV and New Mexico state when they were great and Utah state. I mean, it was it was such a better conference that you were like, yeah, we're up. This is always going to happen. We're a multi-bid league every year. And then it stopped. And so to have this shot at this team, I mean, honestly, like the big, the big discussion in on all my group texts was, are we going to be a 12 or are we going to be a 13? Because this year, the difference between being a 12 and being 13 is everything. And hold, I mean, there they were right. in the selection show, our mutual friend Seth Davis, Mike, like they, they were the third reveal. Like it was like I, I got up and my, my wife, I pointed at my wife. I'm like, okay, like this might say that this might be UC Santa Barbara and bang, there it was. And here's the best part. They used to call us Cal Santa Barbara. And that drove me crazy because assholes like your father would like, you know, Cal was Cal, and yeah. was like we were like you know Cal Riverside and Cal. By the way, the Cal, da- Cal Davis and Cal da- and Cal and like to be UC Santa Barbara. Like now we've arrived. Like now we 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 belong. And you know this team. You look at this roster. Reminds me of the roster that won in 1990 when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Um, senior laden, you know, a lot of experience. Okay. Let's uh, talk, let's talk about the roster. Cause Greg, you've been calling these games and Robbie, Natalie, I, you know, we've been watching, you've been watching Josh. Um, Greg, why don't you just tell us what you think? You know, we don't know if Sonny's going to play, who was the sixth man of the year, you know, who, who seemed to hurt his ankle pretty badly in the last game. What are you looking for, Greg, from the Gauchos in this this game against Creighton and potentially against the winner of Virginia and Ohio if they win. Yeah, well, it's funny. I've had to learn a lot about college basketball just in this last week and expand way beyond the Big West. And Creighton seems like an in, uh, an interesting team. I think they start four, ga- uh, four guards. I think yeah. um, I heard they have a guy that's kind of like a Draymond Green type player who – if he's making his shots becomes really problematic. I think the the guy with the goggles and his name, I don't know. But yeah, when he's on, he's on, when he's off, you want him to keep shooting. And you don't mean on the plantation. You just mean on. Oh, (laughs) 
I, you know what? I, I will beat a joke into the ground. It's not a joke. It's a horrible subject. But the joke is that they drew the Gauchos and I am going to demonize their coach fairly or unfairly <laughs> until the game is over, at which point I'll be like, oh, hey, Greg McDermott, whatever. <laughs> anyway, Greg, go ahead. Yeah, so I think, and just knowing how Creighton has been historically, like Josh said, if they're hitting their threes, we're probably going to be in big trouble. But I really do like our roster. If Sonny can play, that would be huge. If not, we're going to need big minutes out of Miles Norris, who can be kind of streaky sometimes too, but was just great in that championship game. And, of course, your guys' favorite player, Josh Pierre-Louis. Hey. I was going to say, tell me about – like, because – Josh Pierre-Louis out of nowhere. The guy was the guy was like the microwave out there. I mean, he had like 17 and 13 minutes. Yeah, he was insane all tournament. Yeah, I mean, I love him because even in the other two games where he didn't go off in the box score, there were always probably three moments a game at least where he would just all of a sudden have a steal and he'd be on the run or like, whoa, he makes some crazy layup. And it's just the dude is uh, he's kind of like lightning, you know, he strikes and makes his presence known. So I love I mean, him. When you look at the advanced metrics too, I mean, you know, UCSB in virtually every advanced metric, like the, it, 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 it kind of turns in our favor, like the, the free throw shooting, which you need, you want to pull an upset and you got to hit free throws. The free throw differential, it's pretty big. Um, the, uh, the lack of turnovers, Pretty big. We give up the fewest threes of, of any team in the country. If you're going to, you know, because Pasternak extends his defense out, you know, they run people off the three-point line. If there's one team in this tournament that you need to run off the three-point line, it's, it's Creighton. I mean, we were sort of, you know, we were delivered a gift. I mean, we were given, let's put it this way. We were given a beatable team. Like, I'm actually, I've gone the other way. Like, so many people now are breaking, you know, are bending over backwards to pick us into the Sweet 16. I, I'm like, whoa. Like, we've gone from, like, <laughs> underrated, scrappy 12 seed to super overrated. Like, you're going to get sick of hearing about the Gauchos before they've done anything. But, like, so. to be honest, this sets up, right? We can beat Creighton. If Georgetown can beat Creighton by 30, we can beat Creighton by one. And then we go on to play Ohio or UVA. UVA right now is sitting in their dorm rooms on an actual plantation, I might add. And they're sitting <laughs> and they are not practicing. They're not doing anything. There are multiple players who aren't coming on that trip. They're going to roll in. This is not your older brothers, UVA, this is, you know, they're beatable. They, the ACC was down and they weren't that good and they're beatable and they have no, they're going to have no rhythm, no timing up against Ohio who has an NBA guard and like a bunch of other people. Okay. Like if I'll play the winner of that and then dare I say, cause now, I mean, if we're going to the stratosphere, good, good I like, I watched virtually every Gonzaga game this year because there might've been people I know who may have laid the occasional wager on said team. Oh. And I love, but you know, watching Gonzaga, it's the premier, it's the premier program in America now. Like there's, they are, they're everything that everybody wants to be for good reason. But if you watch Gonzaga this year, respectfully, I say this respectfully. They're beatable. I don't like, I get everybody wants to uh, anoint the Zags and give them this title right now. 
you know, you know, here, here's what happens when you play in the WCC. Like Mark Few's brilliant. He schedules the brutal non-conference so that he can go and he they pumped everybody. And the NCAA even took care of them. How they the, the two, three, and four seeds are teams that Gonzaga has beaten this year. Like they basically just retreaded their schedule for them. And yet, you know, Gonzaga, they 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 go to sleep. They Gonzaga has periods where for eight, ten minutes, they're not engaged. And against a team, if you think of it this way, Santa Barbara will have won two to get to that point. They will believe no more big saucer eyes, no more what are we doing here. Gonzaga, these guys probably know each other. West Coast basketball versus West Coast basketball. And to have that shot, just to have that shot, I mean, look, I'll be so happy if we beat Creighton. It's not going to happen. Like, there's no way it's happening. But I'll be so happy if we do. If we advance, because that would then become officially the farthest you see SB has ever gone in a tournament, ever. If we get to the second weekend, that would be mythic. And frankly, I I I don't I don't want to play Baylor. No, thank you. I don't want to play Illinois. No, thank you. I don't mind playing Gonzaga. I won't. I won't. I'll just say that. I won't mind playing Gonzaga. Um, they're not deep. UCSB has a deeper team than Gonzaga. They go, they go deeper on their bench. You know, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, not having our six-man extraordinaire might be troublesome. But Pasternak plays eight or nine guys. And, like, so that's, you know, there's a next-man-up mentality. Like, Gonzaga can't get – their ninth guy is not good. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm penciling us into the final four. So, Josh, uh, Greg has a podcast, too. It is called Poddy Train Me, P-O-D-D-Y, as it were. And uh, in, I believe it was episode six, his guest was, this is a while back, Ja'Cory McLaughlin. And, uh, you know, I, I want to go back and listen to it again because, obviously, you know, you guys talked about the promise of his senior season, and maybe he'll have another one now because of the eligibility rollover. But, um, you know, Greg, you know, you talked about how he's been since that buzzer beater, you know, what, what kind of guy is he? And, you know, how do you feel about him as the leader in this moment? I mean, I feel great. And I don't just say that as a fan of the school, like I was getting wowed time and time again by him. Uh, the podcast, the audio wasn't great because he had a last minute workout pop up. So I had about 15 minutes with him on a phone, which I just held up to a mic. Uh, but he was really cool. And he was like really grateful. That it was like, I appreciate you taking the time. And I'm like, dude, like I appreciate you talking to me. Uh, yeah. Seemed like a really down to earth guy. And just as a basketball player, he's played with such IQ. Like I, as the color guy, cause we'd rotate between play by play and color. Every time I was color, I tried to talk about the non-tangibles or intangible. I don't know. Which one is it? Um, it's in. <laughs> it's intangibles, but it will never be intangibles ever again. I'm going to say non-tangibles. What, what, what's, what's amazing, Josh, is that like in normal life, in speech, even more than me, Greg is the most colloquial and the loosest. He if you heard us in normal life, you'd say, well, that kid is going to not be a broadcaster because he rolled. So when Greg told me he was going to get into broadcasting, I was like, oh, that'll be a learning experience. And he's like 
unbelievably clean naturally. It's crazy. Like I wish I'm, I'm in my fifties and I've been doing this professionally for years and I'm trying to get cleaner and you, you kind of had a gift for it and we're immediately very, very Greg's like, it's really strange to me that that kid who I talk Listen, to. I, I, people always ask, you know, people ask me two things all the time. Um, why haven't I written a book and why, you know, do I want what I ever want to do, you know, play by play. And the answer to both is no. And it's for the same reason um because it's hard because one as mike you can like i don't want to write a bad book i want to write a really good book but that's a, that's really hard yeah and play by play you know i remember i feel i did i, I was color on a ucsb women's game at kcsb like once and i thought like especially color i'm like how hard is that gonna be like <laughs> i mean i don't have to like keep I mean I can just sort of talk in broad strokes and throw cliches around like you know they're going out of style and it's hard like it's hard and I listen I've done live television in national and international moments that like where I, you know tens of billions of people are watching and you're just like okay like I welcomed a new pope to the world like literally as it was happening I wouldn't want to call Santa Barbara Cal Poly on KCSB. <laughs> yeah. Like that would be the worst thing ever. I would be awful. I, 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 uh, I couldn't do it. It's a, it's a skill. And so kudos to you. Um, it must be, <laughs> Leslie must have some broadcasting deep inside her. Cause that didn't come. <laughs> Fair. So did you ever, the, the gout, there's some famous gaucho alums, obviously, and you, you in Good Morning America and at NBC, you know, you, ESPN, you had a lot of celebrity interaction. Did you ever have a gaucho moment, you know, like with a Michael Douglas or a Gwyneth Paltrow? Or yes, okay, so I did with Michael Douglas. Uh, there was a UCSB like recruiting thing in New York City uh, a few years ago, and he came, and um, it was pre cancer. Um, so it was probably four or five years ago and, uh, you know, he came and, you know, met him beforehand and, you know, Michael Douglas to me, is sort of romancing the stone. Maybe he's, he's Streets of San Francisco to me. That's, I got well, really you know, old. Well, you know, but, but he's right. He's active and he looks pretty big on screen. And I know growing up in LA and having worked in Hollywood before I became a journalist, like nobody is big. Like right. I'm at, I'm almost six, six. And I'm like twice the size of most of these people, but he was not just small, but like I shook his hand and I, to this day, like I almost pulled his arm out of a socket <laughs> and I didn't even mean to. So um, that was Michael Douglas. Um, By the way, Michael with, Douglas is telling this story right now. And he's like, this guy, Josh Elliott, he tried to, you know, like dismember me. It's, like, it's, it's never been, it's never been good since. Um, I, um, and he tells great UCSB stories about like when, you know, it was like a Marine barracks, like UCSB was just like low slung. It was basically like what Baja California was like 60 years ago. Somebody's like, yeah, let's put a college there. Sure. Um, Stork Tower. Sure. Um, and then, you know, I have a very funny, I have a funny Quintus Paltrow story, but it's not 
Because she didn't graduate. Everybody knows she went there. And it's really weird to see her listed as a love because she didn't graduate. And in part, here's how I know. Uh, freshman year, um, water polo practice uh, at like at the, the where we used to play at like the worst pool in California for a college. Um, we're all in there. You know, it's that 6 a.m., everybody's hung over and it's like that and the chlorine is like this cloud hanging just above the water. And you're just like, it's the most disgusting thing, but everybody's like recounting their night. And, um, I'll say his first name in case my buddy, Aaron, he's like, yeah, he's like, I, uh, he's like, I, I, I met this girl last night. She took her back to my, my dorm room. My, my roommate was gone. So, had the night. I'm like, oh yeah, really? Who? Um, kind of this kind of weird chick. Her name's Gwynny. Like this weird chick. Like, oh really? Yeah. Apparently, like, I think her like her parents are like actors or something like that. And like, does anybody know? Like, nobody heard of like Bruce Paltrow. Blythe Danner. I think she might have been in like a movie where like you're like, yeah, she was the mom in that movie. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, so cut to. <laughs> another practice like a couple weeks later and Aaron gets in the pool again and we're like hey Matt so how's it going he's like oh my god that Gwynny girl is crazy <laughs> <laughs> like what he's like I just was out at a party and came home with a bunch of big group and met some girl and like we we're going back to my place and she was like leaning up against my door at like three in the morning in the dorm. And that, that, uh, that's now that's, you know, you up. That's how we did it back then. Dad, don't pretend you know what you up is. Anyway. So he, um, he was just like, and so he's like, Oh, I had to cut and run. It was like, not a kid. It was, it was, it was ugly. And then like, as I, I want to say like a couple, like maybe a month later at another practice, he's like, Oh yeah. He's like, remember that girl winning? I'm like, we're like, yeah. She's like, yeah, she had like some kind of like, I don't know, like breakdown or she just didn't want to be here anymore. And she like left school and that was it. And it turns out it was Gwyneth Paltrow. So um, I've like from Shakespeare and Love on Down, I was I've always laughed about like, oh, yeah, totally. Um, hey, Dad, did you know that story? Leading no, to that question? no. And also she now has is marketing a candle uh, with oh, yeah, her vagina candle. Her, yeah. You, the, think, the, my, the, you know, my friend Devin, right? Yes. You know my friend Devin, he's yes. a creative director. He's yeah, the course. creative director of Goop. Wow. Wow. So he 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 his boss is Gwyneth Paltrow. And like we're talking like she's full time, like barely acts anymore, but does a Marvel movie or whatever, and that's it. Well, I mean, mastering the scent of your vagina for a candle is that's not yeah. it. Maybe yeah, and he so he has all these other Gwyneth Paltrow stories. <laughs> you know, she's um She's a piece of work that one. You hear that? Josh Natalie had a suggestion. Maybe did they call Aaron in as a consultant? Right. They did. Well, they said, is this accurate? Is this really accurate? And he was Is this what you, is this is I I can't believe I'm making that joke with Natalie. I know, right? Yeah, like, we were I, taking I, her to feel like a dirtier, older man now. Like that's <laughs> you you are you are dirty, you are old, but you are a proud gaucho and I know that we will all be screaming at our television set. Gaucho. Gaucho. It's just, 
It's the best. Three thirty Saturday. I mean, it's just it's the best. This will be Eastern. Just, if you're if you're not on the Eastern time zone, three thirty. Uh, and last year was you know that last year was the first year in twenty seven years I haven't spent the first weekend of madness in Vegas. And so the fact that our country sucks so badly at like wearing a mask and not being an asshole, like it cost me Vegas again. Like this is it's a crusher because I. Like when your team is playing and it's in Las Vegas, I mean it's the best. Like I think this, you'd be. be I think you you'd be an indie. I or wherever. I think you'd be on site. I would go on site if they make this. I'm not, sweet sixteen. I mean, who are we kidding? You want you want to get me there? I don't want to watch you get lose by twenty five. Well, well, I got to tell you, let's make a pact right now, Greg Robbie, because Greg's gonna go back in the fall, I think, and finish up. So. He'll technically be a fifth-year senior for a minute. So Greg, Robbie, Josh, Natalie, I believe that if the Gauchos get to the tournament next year, and they could have everyone coming back theoretically based on you know the the eligibility sure. rollover, um, wherever they go in that first round, I think we should go to the game. That's fair. I think of course, I'm in. I hope it's a Thursday game, but I'm in. I hope it's not during owners' meetings, but even if it is, oh I yeah, think- I hate to find, I hate to miss Robert Kraft with some grapefruit in Scottsdale. <laughs> okay, no. Greg. Okay, Greg's gonna sign off by telling the Robert Kraft story. So, Josh, I brought Greg with me two years ago to the owners' meetings. You know, at the Biltmore in Arizona, the old classic. And Greg and Robbie are big football fans, and they're big Packer fans because when Aaron Rodgers was drafted, they brainwashed. You know, the Cal thing, and um, they were really so. Greg was with me and was really excited to you know meet people like. Uh, what did Bill tell, tell him the Bill O'Brien question and then tell him the craft oh story? My God, Bill O'Brien question. Yeah. So, great. Yeah. Well, it's, I met Bill O'Brien briefly and then I'm in a circle with like me, Bill O'Brien, Doug Marone, his wife, love them both. Um, <laughs> and him and, uh, Bill, it's just kind of quiet for a second. And Bill O'Brien's like sitting across from me and he goes, Hey, so do you hate Trump? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, oh, worst thing that ever happened to our country. <laughs> <laughs> so after broing out with Bill O'Brien about how horrible Donald Trump is. Wait, but I know I like I have not had a reason to like Bill O'Brien. Ever. I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. OK, so he's a he's an Irish Catholic Bostonian Democrat. He is. Uh, so anyway. Robert Kraft was making himself very scarce two years ago because it was in the immediate aftermath of the little massage uh, imbroglio. And nobody, people didn't even think he was there, but we're in the lobby and all of a sudden Robert and small entourage are plowing through and I go, Robert, and he's like, hey, Michael. And all of a sudden, here's Greg and Robert Kraft and I introduce him. Actually, first, it was a really eventful weekend because first, Bill Belichick walked right by me in a hoodie when he checked into the hotel. And, like, that is the closest thing I'm ever going to get to experiencing a Dementor in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I texted Robbie right away, and I was like, dude, guess who just walked by me? Hint was wearing a hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so then Robert Kraft, um, he's like, oh, hey, like, like you to meet my son Greg and I was like oh hi it's like a pleasure to meet you and he's like 
oh, so are you a student? And I was like, yeah, I'm in my second year at UC Santa Barbara. And he just goes, oh, boy, would I love to trade places with you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, don't laugh. This is not funny. It is totally not funny. Do not laugh. The power of the gauchos. That's what hearing about UC Santa Barbara could do, even though it was not politically the best time for him to say that. He was so overwhelmed by the the knowledge that going to UC Santa Barbara is must be such an incredible experience that he, you know, the he's thought right. bubble came he's out. He's right. That's fine. He's right. Like he's he's right. He's right. Robert Kraft knows he knows where to get the the best massages in West Palm, and he knows where he could where he could chase masseuses roughly that age if he was a college student and. Um, I can't, I just, you know, here we go, guys. So, but, but again, Robbie, I'm sorry, man. This, this, you will be, you'll, you'll be married by the time this happens again. So I want you to enjoy these next couple of days. Like this is, you know, I was joking. I have two, uh, I have, I, I, I love how ridiculous this reference is going to be, but I have, I have two half brothers who I found only like years and years and years and years later, both of whom also went to UCSB and we were texting about this. And I'm like, guys, like I, this is the first time I've ever really considered my, my mortality because I don't know how many, how many more UCSB tourney runs I have, like considering how infrequently they happen. Do I have two left? I don't know. Maybe three, you know, it'd be nice if they all come back. Do we know, by the way, Greg, do you have any sense of, Will those guys come back? Like, you know, it's I, I what I like about being the scrappy 12C gauchos is like it's not like any of those guys is turning down guaranteed, you know, NBA money. So like would like do we know which which of them would come back if they can? No, I don't know anything for sure. And I don't think uh anyone would go public with that right now anyway. They're probably just focused on Creighton and worry about that later uh, i think so, maybe so. joe pasternak should give him a speech about staying oh, don't say it let's not go there let's you know look. what i have a feeling he wouldn't use the same terminology as that temporarily evil coach of the temporary enemy creighton does, does pasternak have any night in him greg i don't know i've never actually met him in like person Oh, so we don't know how, like, is he profane? Is he like, cause you know, the funny thing about coach K is that like, he's as bad as Bobby Knight. He just has better PR, but I mean, every other word is fuck out of that guy's <laughs> mouth too. So I'm wondering, does like Pasternak, I mean, I don't think you, 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 I don't think you fall off the, I don't think if you're a piece of fruit from the Bobby Knight tree, I don't think you, I think you hit the ground saying fuck. So I just assume that the gauchos are being led to glory profanely. Guys, when we were young, Bobby Knight was the coach of the United States team at the Pan American Games, which was a, a you know Olympics light type of international competition. But he was representing the United States of America, and he got so enraged and didn't like a call that he took a chair and threw it like as far as he could onto the court. <laughs> It's, it, it remains. It's un, oh God. until like, until 
2016, it might have been the most embarrassing display I've seen by somebody representing the United States of America <laughs> on the world stage. But now it ranks like nine million and eight hundred and forty six thousandth. You know, I just want, you know, I like every day, every day that I don't think about the White House. Right. Like, I, it's like it's a That's time the weirdest part of this whole thing is not thinking about it. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's crazy. I mean, like you watch a couple Jen Psaki news con- press conferences, you're like, "Oh, that's right. These were really boring." Yeah. yeah. Like, television ever. And yeah. by the way, Jen Psaki's already done some gaslighting. I'm just saying, like Joe Biden's been even less available than Barack Obama was. Like there are issues, but you're just like, "Oh my god, I don't have to worry about." Yeah. Just, you know just the fact that he's. I mean, we literally have to worry about Donald Trump selling the secrets that he may have retained in his peanut-sized brain <laughs> just to pay off his millions, hundreds of million dollars of debt. Like, I just, it is, it's, um, I'm not going to go there. No, it's March. Yeah. I, get, I get this weekend. And guys, we get Saturday, 12.30 Pacific, 3.30 East. Okay, listen, uh, we will all be watching and texting. We look forward to as many of these games as we are blessed to watch. And I'm thinking if we can't pull off the tournament next year, maybe we can get Josh to come to the Thunderdome and I would come down for that. Oh, I'll go for sure. Like, we I could have Robbie in face paint. Greg could is, maybe call the game. That is so, that is near and dear, man. Yeah. Natalie throwing near tortillas and, and I uh, love, I I'll wear that. my gaucho dad hat and Josh can just hold court. What's weird is to sit. I always wonder what it'd be like to sit on the on like the the parent side of of the Thunderdome. I mean, we'll be over there. It'll be great. Like, no, I think you and the you in the middle of the students. Like, I mean, you know, twenty fourteen commencement speaker Josh Elliott returns to his people, <laughs> and we'll just put like a you know, we'll we'll set up ropes or something. Yeah, I, I need to get and I need to get back in happier times even that commencement like i had my like you know always wear sunscreen speech ready to go and then like two weeks before or whatever it was it was close that crazy fucker shot up uh, vista and i'm like oh so now i have to go be like a newsman and like address this and tell like a bunch of people that like you know we failed you go do better than us and so like it just you know oh so yeah no we gotta like you don't have to ply me with excuses to go to Santa Barbara. There is, there is no greater place on earth. I will, when I shut it down here in Connecticut, my wife and I will be there until the great gaucho in the sky kind of calls for me and Santa Barbara is going to, that, that'll be, that'll be the final, that'll be the final stop on the Josh Elliott train. So you don't have to, you don't have to ask me twice. Hey, Dad, can I offer one closing thought as we head into this game? Yeah, but I do. I don't want to under. I don't want to understate that. Always wear sunscreen. He's right. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Look, if you're listening and if you made it this far into this episode, thank you so much. And if you still don't have a dog in this fight, then get the fuck off the plantation and onto the gaucho bandwagon. <laughs> he said it. Uh, <laughs> no, he doesn't really mean like that. He's uh, just making fun of the head coach of Creighton. Yeah, who this was? This is this is what I was for your dad until Jeff Darlington came along and I got to like pass the mantle. 
<laughs> I'm the one who was explaining. No, he didn't mean that. <laughs> that, is, that <laughs> uh, we'd be somewhere like the best, the best, the best, best advice I ever got from your dad <laughs> was we were in Atlanta day nine of our like we've met nine days ago. Ugh. We've now been drunk nine times oh. together oh. and it's day nine. We're in Atlanta and we're at some party and Mike looks down at his phone and he gets the look I can only appreciate now is the husband who is fucked look on his phone, <laughs> on his face. And he's like, I got to go take this. And so he goes out and he takes it, comes back in. It was like sleeting sideways in Atlanta that week. He's freezing. He's wet. And I'm like, you all right? He's like, he's like, let me, let me tell you, man. He's like, here, always remember this. He's like, you'll, you'll be married one day. He's like, just remember this. The key to being a happy and successful NFL reporter is convincing your wife when you're day three Super Bowl party that it sucks. <laughs> as long as you so and sure enough, I, if I had a nickel for every time I watched the television, I'm very you know, oh, just like we had. <laughs> 8 a.m. press conference this morning, and then we yeah. ride into a 10 a.m. And then I had to drive to the other hotel where the team stayed. It was yeah. so, uh, and I'm just like, yeah, that's not the day I had. I'm pretty sure that's not the day Mike <laughs> had. But yes, that's the day that Leslie believes. How, how's the food? Awful. Just oh, yeah, terrible. So where are you right now? Oh, uh, we just like we just went to dinner. I don't know. <laughs> We're thinking about shutting it down. <laughs> no one ever. But sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I look at Mike. Look at the silver. Silver's all grown up. It, you guys. You know, you literally had the proudest dad of all time. I learned more about being a dad probably from your dad than being a journalist and um it's awesome i'm a i, I will on, always be an honorary silver i've got the yeah. i've got the jewish first name i'm good i i've been to israel i appreciate judaism culturally and religiously and i um he's expressive and funny and ironic and loud well, i will say this at least like you know I was trying to figure out how to do something different. And then like what I've heard about Mike, I'm like, Oh, there is somebody here doing it different. So it always, it, it, it worked. It worked. And then you guys just kept coming along every few years. So God love you all. And God love our gauchos. God love them. God love the gauchos. Be careful what you wish for because uh, that wife and I one or two, like I'm coming back. Like this is, this will be like the lucky. I'm coming back on this podcast. Oh yeah, no, no. If I'll tell you this, if if the Gauchos are still alive early next week, we will have another episode about UCSB. Oh God, the when and, the Gauchos are alive. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Again.